Wednesday night was a great service as we burned a note. Able to share thanksgiving and praise to God for his goodness to us. And so thank you for participating last Wednesday night. A couple of weeks here, we're going to be talking about thanksgiving, being thankful. And then we're going to be in a Christmas series entitled A Missing Peace. And you won't want to miss any of those. But Luke chapter 17 today. As I think about this message of worshipful response, questions are part of Christian ministry. For example, some people will say, why can't Christians get along? And one of the things that I do, I try to refrain from a lot of social media because when I look at social media, oftentimes it's a platform for friendly fire for those of us who name the name of Christ. We're not very kind to each other on social media. Why can't Christians get along? Why does God allow suffering? That's been a question people have asked for generations. And then a question that's often repeated is to say, how can I know God's will in life? Well, in Luke 17, as we look at this story, on one hand it's uplifting, but on the other hand it's quite disturbing. There were 10 individuals with leprosy and they were healed. What's uplifting is that one of these individuals returned to Jesus and thanked him, thanked him, thanked him. What's disturbing, there were nine other individuals who were healed of leprosy as well, and they went on their way, and they never returned to the Lord to praise him, but to even thank him. Now, church, let me just be transparent with you as you would imagine. I don't want to be like the nine. I want to be like the one. As I experience the goodness and grace of God in my life, I want to be quick to return to him and to praise him and to thank him for all that he has done in my life. And I pray you want to be the same as well. Here's what I believe about the Christian life. If you and I are going to live intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ in life, then it requires that we would have a thankful heart. Because you can't be intimate with him and be ungrateful because of who he is and what he's doing. When I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, great servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, saved on the road to Damascus and changed. And when you read the letters that the Holy Spirit allowed him to write, what do you see? He was thankful to God for his grace in life. He was thankful to God for individual believers in life. And he was thankful to God for churches whom the Lord allowed him to plant and to minister to. He was a thankful individual. But let me ask you this morning, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for in your life? If somebody asked me, what are you thankful for, Pastor? Here's what I would say. I'm thankful for salvation. Church, I don't ever want to get over being saved. I remember what it was like to be lost, and I don't ever want to forget what it's like to be saved in Christ. Thankful for Angie. I'm grateful God allowed us to join our lives together. Great wife, great ministry partner. We've had some incredible experiences in life and ministry. I'm thankful to be called of God to serve in ministry. And as I say that, please understand that ministry was never a career decision for me. It was a call of God on my life. I'm thankful to God for his call. I'm thankful to be able to pastor this church. Last year, you affirmed me to be your pastor, but I'm here because God called me to be here. And then I'm thankful for growth in my life. I look back and see how God has spiritually grown me. And even as I say that, I always want to come before him and say, God, I don't ever want to lose a teachable spirit because there's so much more about you and so much more about your word that I desire to know. I don't ever want to stop growing in the Christian life. What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Luke 17, the Bible says, on the way to Jerusalem, 
Jesus was going to Jerusalem. And you say, why was he going to Jerusalem? You have to realize he wasn't going to Jerusalem to take a few days off. He wasn't going to Jerusalem for a weekend getaway to stay at the King David Hotel. He was going to Jerusalem to fulfill his life's mission. You say, well, what was the Son of God's life mission? Understand this next statement. Jesus was born to die. He was on his way to Jerusalem to give his life on an old rugged cross for the sins of the world, for your sins and my sins. When's the last time you thanked your Heavenly Father for forgiveness in Christ? And church, you know this, you're not forgiven this morning because of good deeds. You're not forgiven this morning because of religious activity. You're forgiven this morning because the Son of God and Savior of the world surrendered his life in the garden called Gethsemane, crucified on a cross, shed his blood, and died for you and for me. We are forgiven because of the cross. He was on his way to Jerusalem. When's the last time you stopped before him and just said, Father, I'm so overwhelmed that I'm forgiven in you and I just want to praise you and thank you for forgiveness in Christ. He was on his way to Jerusalem. On his way to Jerusalem, he was met by 10 lepers. What do we know about leprosy? Here's what we know about leprosy from God's word and even just in culture. We know this. Leprosy caused people to be afraid because it was highly contagious. And so if you did not have leprosy, you did not want to be around someone with leprosy. Much like COVID in our day, when you think about COVID, we we hear highly contagious. Well, if you think about those with leprosy, when they had leprosy, here's what happened in their lives. They were isolated from family and friends. They were alone. That they were confined to a leper colony. And here's how serious it was. If you had leprosy, you were given a death sentence. You were not going to recover. You were going to die. In this text, we also, Jesus is going to give these ten lepers some instruction. One, he's going to tell them to go to the priest. Who were they? They were the health inspectors of the day. And so as you think about leprosy, Uh, Again, there are many countries around the world who still deal with leprosy in our day. But again, they were isolated. They were confined to a colony and they were given a death sentence. It was a difficult season of life for these 10 individuals. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, going to give his life for the sins of the world. He enters a village. He's met by 10 lepers. Going to have an exchange with them. And then life is getting ready to change for those 10, but also for you and for me. So I want you to look at your outline. As we think about this text, these are some very personal statements I'm going to make here in the next few moments about this text. Number one, Jesus is approachable in desperate times. How many of you have ever been in a desperate time in life? Probably every one of us in this room. How many of you are in a desperate time in life right now? And if you find yourself in a desperate time, what do you do? How do you respond to desperate situations? Luke 17, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. I love the Galilee region in Israel. It's beautiful in that area of the world. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers. 
Jesus, again, on his way to Jerusalem to give his life for the sins of the world, enters a village. He's met by ten lepers. These ten lepers, it said, who stood at a distance. If you came upon someone with leprosy in that day, generally you would say this, unclean, unclean. Jesus doesn't say that to these ten individuals. They just stood at a distance. And if you had leprosy, what was your one desire in life? I would give you one word, healing. If you had leprosy, you long somehow to be healed because you were given a death sentence. I just want to be healed. And so Jesus is approachable in desperate times because he's in this village. He's met by these ten lepers. They stood at a distance, and then they lifted up their voices to him, and here's what they said. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Aren't you glad for ten lepers that Jesus was approachable? He was approachable for those 10 individuals. Now, as you think about that, again, you get a death sentence. You see Jesus. Only Luke is the only one who tells this story about the 10 lepers. And only in Luke are you going to hear this phrase, Jesus, master. What does the word master mean? It just means Jesus had all authority. He could do things that no one else could do. And so these 10 lepers came and saw Jesus, stood at a distance. Jesus, master, had mercy on us. They believed that Jesus was approachable. They also believed that he had the power to heal them. Let me give you two words here. Number one is define. I would just encourage you, if you found yourself in a desperate situation, realize Jesus is approachable, but I would also encourage you, define what your situation is. You come before him and you say, Lord, I'm desperate, and it's in regards to my health. You may be watching this online, and you're dealing with COVID, and you need the Lord to touch your life. You may be in the room, and you're dealing with cancer, and you need the Lord to touch your life. You may be dealing with a heart situation. You need the healing of Jesus in your life. You may have faced a stroke in your life, and part of your movement is not what it used to be. You need Lord to touch you in life. You may be dealing with memory issues, not just because of age, but something is not right in your mind. You can't remember like you once did, and it's got you concerned. You need the touch of Jesus in your life. And you may be in here as a child, student, as an adult. You're dealing with mental issues in your life. And you just need the Lord to do something in your life to find what the issue is. Let me remind you, Jesus is approachable in desperate times. You may look at it today and say it's about your career. You literally hate your job. You're in a dead-end situation makes you nauseous to even think about Mondays. There's tension in the workplace. You just don't like what you do. There's no room for advancement. You just need the Lord to work in your life just to find what the need is. It may be relationships. Your marriage is not where it used to be. Your family has issues and you're just a few days away from getting together. You've got friendships that used to be close but now are divided. You need the touch of Jesus on those relationships could be finances you've got more debt than you know what to do with not sure how you're going to make it you've got a car the car is not running right needs major repair but there's no money to get it fixed your house there are issues with your house that needs repairs there's no money in the bank to do those things you are in a desperate situation financially cry out to jesus in your life and then spiritual there very well may be people in this room and those who are watching your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is as cold as it's ever been in life. 
You have drifted in your relationship to Christ. You used to be close to him, but you've drifted. Please understand, he has never left you. You're the one who's left him. And you feel so, so distant from Jesus in your life. Jesus is approachable in desperate times. I just encourage one, define it. And number two, the word is declare. These ten lepers approached Jesus and they cried out, it says with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I encourage you this morning, if it's health related, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. If it's career related, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. If it's relationship oriented, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Finances, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Spiritual, just cry out to him. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Why? Because Jesus, the Son of God, on his way to Jerusalem, was approachable to ten lepers. He is approachable to you and me today. Jesus is approachable in desperate times. Number two, Jesus is aware of discouraged folks. Because I can't imagine what it would be like to have leprosy. But he was aware of these ten individuals as you see this. They lifted up their voices and saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us when he saw them. Jesus wasn't just simply approachable. He saw them. He saw these ten lepers, a death sentence. Others would have said, unclean, unclean. Jesus sees these ten individuals, and he says something to them, and he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. He had a message to them. Now, as they heard the message, they faced an interesting situation. Were they going to do what Jesus asked? He spoke to these ten lepers directly to them. He's not talking to the crowd. He's talking to them. And he says, I want you to go show yourselves to the priest. They're at a fork in the road. Are we going to do what Jesus just asked us to do? What are we going to do? And the Bible says, I just want to be faithful to God's word. The Bible says, and as they went, so that Jesus saw them, he sent a message to them, here's the direction of what I want you to do. And as they went, we don't know how long they walked, we don't know how long they traveled, we don't even know where the priests were at, but as they went, somewhere along the way, all of a sudden they had this revelation, all of a sudden they realized, we are leprosy free. We're cleansed. Jesus has healed us. He was approachable, but he was aware of their situation. They are changed as they went on their way. Let me give you these three words. Number one, believe. I hope you'll understand this morning. I challenge you to believe who the Son of God is. I, I just want you to know Jesus is approachable, but also understand he's aware Here's what I mean by that. If you're dealing with health issues, Jesus sees your situation. If you're dealing with career issues, Jesus is aware of your situation. If you're dealing with relational struggles, Jesus sees your needs. If it's finances, Jesus is aware of what you're dealing with. If it's spiritual, Jesus knows your heart better than you know your own heart. Jesus is aware. So understand that. He's approachable, but he's aware. 
Second word is listen. Not only do you need to believe this, you need to listen to what he's saying. He spoke to these ten lepers. He had a message for them. And are you listening to what Jesus is saying into your life if you're desperate? Are you listening to him? Because if you're lost this morning, here's what Jesus is going to say. You put your trust in me. You call on my name. I'll save you. He's saying this morning that if you're at a fork in the road and you don't know which way to go, he's saying if you'll trust in me, if you'll lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways, if you'll acknowledge me, I will make straight your paths. He's saying to you this morning, if you're struggling with sin, if you will hide your, my word in your heart, you will not sin against me. And if you're in this sanctuary watching, you're overwhelmed in life, Jesus is saying to you, if you will come to me, I will give you rest. Believe that he knows your situation. Listen to what he's saying to you. And then third, obey him. These ten lepers, Jesus saw them. He spoke a word into their lives. Here's what I want you to do. And then they obeyed him. And as they walked along, they were cleansed. They were healed. There are many people this morning in a desperate situation. They never find relief. They never find healing. Here's why. They're simply not obeying what Jesus asked them to do. Obey Jesus. There was a guy one day who was a new golfer and he goes to the golf course and he gets on the first tee and he, he takes a swing and he misses the golf ball. And so he takes up this mound of dirt and grass and he hit an anthill, literally killing hundreds of ants. Ants went everywhere. And so he, he gets the, the, kind of gets regrouped again, looked around to see if anybody saw him. He was a little embarrassed by that. He, again, the, the ball has never moved, still on the tee. So he takes another swing again. He misses the ball again, hits the grass again. Grass, dirt go everywhere. The anthill goes everywhere. More ants are killed in this mess. And so finally there are two ants, only two ants out of this entire colony living. And they're saying to one another, what are we going to do? Because we're going to die next. And the other aunt said to the other and said, if we're going to live, we've got to get on the ball. And church, I want to tell you, we're in a desperate situation. The Lord is aware of what we're doing, and it's time for the church to get on the ball. It's time for us to obey what Jesus has asked us to do. We've got to obey him. So Jesus is approachable. Jesus is aware. Number three, Jesus is adored by devoted worshipers. Now, as you think about this text here, is the majority always right? Uh, there, there are some kids and students in this room and those who are watching. You're going to see the majority of people are going to do this. Please understand, just because the majority are going to do it doesn't mean it's right. And then I would say, are you willing to be different from the majority? And I would give a challenge to preschoolers and kids and students and adults. Be willing in the leadership of Christ and for the glory of Christ. Be courageous enough to be different than everyone else. You don't have to conform to the crowd. Because in this context, the story was they go to show themselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Number one, awareness. Can you imagine you're in this village, you meet the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus sees you and he says, I want you to go and show yourselves to the priest. And as you're walking along, 
all of a sudden you realize the leprosy is gone. Ten of them were healed, cleansed. This one Samaritan realized, I no longer have leprosy. And what does he do? He turns back. A worshipful response. He praises God with a loud voice. Can you imagine that worship encounter? I had a death sentence on my life, but now I'm cleansed. And he turns back and he praises God with a loud voice. He was aware. Are you aware of what God is doing and will do in your life? How many of us this morning just need to say, I'm aware that Jesus saved me. I'm aware that Jesus healed me. He may have used doctors and medicine, miracle, but Jesus did it. I'm aware that I'm free. I used to be in bondage, but now the Lord has given me freedom. I'm aware that Jesus has changed my life. Are you aware of what Jesus is doing and will do in your life? Are you aware of that awareness? Look at the second word is opportunity. The opportunity was that the Samaritan turned back praising God in a loud voice and if that wasn't enough the Bible says here was the opportunity for him he came before Jesus and the Bible says he got down on his knees at Jesus' feet and he thanked him and when you read the Greek text what the New Testament was written in he's praising God with a loud voice But he's at the feet of Jesus, and it says he gave him thanks. What that means is, it's repeated. It just says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This Samaritan was overwhelmed in worship. Praising God with a loud voice, on his face before the feet of Christ, thanking him again and again and again. How many of us have missed opportunities the Lord put before us? We should have encouraged that person. We didn't do it. Should have shared the gospel that person. We didn't do it. We should have given to that need and we didn't do it. As a point of confession, I was engaged in a spiritual conversation with someone the other day. Great conversation. But when I walked away, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, why didn't you take the conversation even deeper than what you did? Miss opportunities. Nine individuals missed an opportunity. One Samaritan came back praising the Lord with a loud voice on his face at the feet of Christ and just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is approachable. He's aware. He's also adored. Number four, Jesus is affected by disobedient people. As you think about your life, and we're missing gratitude in our day. Even among us who are believers, when we don't say thank you to him, we worship him, we adore him, it affects him. Number one is the word concern. 
When you look at your prayer life, how much is thanksgiving a part of your prayer life? And how many of us, we're slow to thank him, but we're just saying, Jesus, will you give me this, give me this, give me this? Concern. Now, in this context, the Samaritan is on his face at the feet of Jesus, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. In our culture, if you say thank you to someone, generally somebody's going to say you're welcome in return. Nowadays, they just say no problem. Uh, That just irritates the daylights out of me when they do that. But they just say no problem. But I was trained to say if somebody said thank you, just say you're welcome. But it's interesting in this story, Jesus did not say you're welcome to the Samaritan. Instead, he asked three questions. In the Greek text, they're rhetorical questions. You say, what in the world does that mean? It means that when the Samaritan was just, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Jesus asked three questions, but here's what I mean. He already knew the answers. So he wasn't asking them to get an answer, and here's the questions. Then he fell at his feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered. Here are the three questions. Were not ten cleansed? Well, Jesus, there were ten. All ten were cleansed. And then Jesus asked, where are the nine? I mean, you're here, but where are the other nine? Where did they go to? Jesus knew where they went. Was no one to found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus was concerned. Is he concerned about you? Is he concerned about me? Are we thankful or not? A mother and son were out one day and they saw this elderly gentleman and the elderly gentleman gave the son a beautiful orange to eat. And so the elderly man gave this young boy this orange and his mother said to him, what do you say to this nice man? And the young son looked at the orange for a moment and he handed it back to the elderly man. He said, peel it. (laughs) Um, No, thank you. Just peel it. I wonder, is Jesus concerned about any of us here today? Jesus looks at I saved you, but you've never said thank you to me. I woke you up this morning, have given you life, but you have yet to say thank you to me. I've given you a job, I've provided your needs, I've trusted you with so much, but you never say thank you to me. I've blessed you beyond your comprehension, but you never say thank you to me. Is Jesus concerned about any of us in this room? Second word, surrender. As you look at this text, Jesus said to him, said to the Samaritan, arise and go your way. What he's saying is you go back to your family and friends. He says, as you arise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Understand the difference here in this, in this verse. There were 10 individuals healed physically. There was one individual who was healed spiritually. When Jesus said, arise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Make a note, the word well just means salvation. That text could read, arise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. 
He surrendered his life to Jesus. Returned praising God with a loud voice, surrendered his life to Christ. And Jesus said, you're not only physically changed, you've been spiritually changed as well. Surrender. Oled. Oled lived in Florida. Oled was an interesting guy. Every Friday afternoon, Oled would drive his car out to the beach. He would park generally in the same parking lot. Wasn't a big guy, very thin. He would get out of his car, had a hat on, old white hat. He would, he would get out of the car and he'd have a bucket. And he'd walk with that bucket out to the Navy, out to the pier, and he would get out to the end of the pier with his bucket. He would just stand there talking to himself. People thought he was a little strange, a little weird. And so every Friday afternoon, close to sunset, he would be out there at the end of that pier, and he would, his bucket was filled with shrimp. And all of a sudden, his O-Ed would be out there at the end of that pier, and he would be out there with his bucket of shrimp. They would just see white dots in the sky because all these seagulls started coming to O-Ed. And so O-Ed is out there, and what's he doing? He starts throwing shrimp to him, and these seagulls are eating the shrimp. And he would do that every Friday afternoon. People who are fishing say, here comes O-Ed. Strange duck, I know, but here comes O-Ed. And O-Ed would be out there at the end of that pier throwing those shrimp up in the air and those seagulls just eating one after the other. And people said, if you got close to O-Ed out there on the pier, here's what you would hear him say to those seagulls. He would just be saying to them as he's sowing the shrimp, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And people look at him and say, he's just a strange guy. His bucket would be empty of shrimp. Head would turn around. There might even be a seagull on his head. And then there'd be some seagulls walking beside him on the pier. And Ed would go back to his car, put his bucket back in the back seat. He'd get in his car and he'd leave. People just look at Ed and think, strange guy. I don't know why he does that for. Every Friday afternoon, about the same time, same parking place, here's old Ed. The problem is they didn't understand Ed's story. Ed was a hero in World War II. Flying over the Pacific with his crew, his plane went down. In the Pacific, all of them survived. It was a miracle they survived. They all were in a life raft together. And they had enough food and water for about eight days. And they were out there in the sea for eight days. And they ran out of food and they ran out of water and didn't know how they were going to survive. Oh, Ed's real name is Eddie Rickenbacker. World War II hero. So Ed's out there in this raft. They'd had a devotional service that morning knowing they were in a desperate situation. Uh, we don't have any food and any water left. And so they're out there and they'd had a devotional service just asking God to minister to them in some way. One, they could be rescued, but also they'd be able to survive. After they had worshiped and prayed and Ed said he leaned back in that life raft and he pulled his cap over his eyes a little bit. He was going to take a nap along with the rest of them. And he said as he was relaxed in that life raft, all of a sudden he felt something land on his head. And he sat there as still as he could be and he thought, I've got to devise a plan because I've got to do something. And then all of a sudden, Ed, as quick as he could, grabbed the legs of that seagull. Ed wrung its neck, pulled the feathers off, and those military men ate that seagull and gave him a little bit of nourishment. And then the parts that were left over, they used that seagull to, as bait to catch other fish to survive. 
Eight days then, they stayed in that life raft for 21 days before they were rescued. Yet every Friday afternoon, they'd go down to the pier, bucket full of shrimp. He would toss that shrimp up in the air, and those seagulls would get it, and he would just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. He never forgot the sacrifice of that first seagull that allowed them to live and survive. He had a thankful heart. Church, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem. Not for a few days off, not for a weekend getaway. He was on his way to Jerusalem to give his life for you and me. Church, I hope we never forget the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Even this morning, what an amazing sight it would be to see this altar filled with people. Myself being one of them. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You changed my life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about a worshipful response. Praising you because of your blessed assurance. And Father, how many of us need to get on our knees this morning and just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, thank you for healing me. Thank you for the job you've given me. Thank you for the relationships I have in life. Thank you for the way you've blessed us financially. Thank you for spiritually working in my life. Oh, Father, today, don't let us be like the nine and walk out the doors and experience your goodness, but never say a word to you. Lord, let us be like the one praising you with a loud voice and just falling on our knees before you and just thanking you over and over and over again. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room or anyone watching who needs to give his or her life to Christ who needs to be baptized, who needs to join the fellowship of our church, who needs to make another spiritual decision. And, oh, Lord, for all of us today as believers who need to be on our knees before you this Thanksgiving Sunday, just crying out with worship and thanksgiving to you, individuals, couples, families, whatever it may be. And, Father, even for those who are watching, they can respond to us by the email they see. They can communicate to us in a very personal way. We'll minister to them. But Lord, in this invitation, may your Holy Spirit move. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God, how do we need to come before you as a worshipful response, praising you because of your blessed assurance and thanking you again and again and again. Father, we obey the teaching of your word today in this invitation, and I pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Praise him. Thank him. You come as our staff and prayer team is here as we worship.